In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. If you know someone who came to our 7 o'clock lessons and carol service, be sure and tell them we got the organ working again, um, lest there be any mistake. There was a switch that was broken, and so we, we used only the piano and our magnificent choir at 7. Um, we got it back. Glory to God in the highest is a phrase that uh, repeats itself throughout our worship tonight. We've sung it, I don't know how many times already. We'll hear it again in some of the service music and the hymns we sing. Glory to God in the highest. It's the song of the angels. It's the song of Christmas. It's the song we associate with this night. It's music that's grand, the images are lofty, but there's a potential problem with that glory to God in the highest. Um, It's a problem that can make us miss the whole meaning of Christmas. The angels sing glory to God, but not because of God in God's self. They're not singing because God is so high and mighty above and beyond everything and everyone. They're singing not because they've had too much eggnog. They're not even singing because the star in the east is leading the way and giving off so much light as to help with angelic night vision. No, the angels are singing for a different reason. They're singing because of what God has done and is doing, not in heaven, not off high, but down low on earth. The angels sing glory to God in the highest because of the glory of God in the lowest. That's the whole point of Christmas, is that God becomes low. Peace on earth among those whom God favors is the way the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible puts it. And just look who it is that God is favoring. Those the Virgin Mary sang about when she first realized what was happening to her and to all the world. God's showing mercy to those of faith, giving strength to the weak, lifting up the lowly, feeding the hungry, giving hope to the hopeless and the helpless God's promises are all being kept one after the other. Glory comes not to the highest and the holiest, but to the lowest and the least. It's often said that that, um, Mary and Joseph were poor. How poor they may have been economically, we're not really sure. The fact that Joseph had a trade, he was a tradesman, a carpenter of some kind, meant that at least he had a way of making money. Um, But income would, of course, depend on a precarious economy and the supply and demand of that area. As Jews in an occupied Palestine, Mary and Joseph would have been poor in a way similar to today's Palestinians. Their movements would have been monitored or restricted or controlled. Their human potential restricted. In addition, as a young Jewish woman, Mary herself was poor in the social standing of the day. She had no voice. She had no authority. She had no legal power. Add to the fact that now she's pregnant and not yet married. 
Whether Mary and Joseph were materially poor is a question, but what seems very clear indeed is that they were extremely poor in many ways, poor spiritually. When I say poor spiritually, I mean that they had gotten to that place where they'd run out of options of their own. Um, no more willpower, no more, um, no more plans. Uh, their own abilities had failed them. They had to rely on God. They were bankrupt spiritually. And so they lean into God fully. Ilya Delio is a Franciscan scholar who, who defines spiritual poverty as a kind of poverty of being. She says it's a letting go of the need to control or possess. It's recognizing our need for another. She writes, compassion is the poverty of love that can reach out even in the face of opposition and embrace. It's that compassion that Joseph shows by understanding and trusting Mary. Mary shows that compassion for herself and for others. She teaches that kind of compassion to her son, Jesus. And many believe that in her ongoing life in the community of saints, Mary continues to offer that compassion, that poverty of self and spirit, even now as she prays and roots for us. Because Mary and Joseph are spiritually poor, looking to God for everything, every minute, they probably didn't really notice the worn-out manger, the dirty straw, or the stinky animals. There's a tradition of confusing the shepherds with the wise men, and it, it might have begun right then, as we imagine that for the friendless and afraid Mary and Joseph, it didn't really matter who these people were. They were grateful to have company, whether they're smelly shepherds or royalty from far away. It's that way that friends look when they come to us, when we're out of options, when we're tired, when we're afraid, when we need help. We don't notice so much about them. We just notice they're present and we're grateful. Those shepherds are visitors of peace and wonder and they come singing their own song of praise to the baby Jesus. Glory to God in the lowest. They sing glory to God in this little insignificant baby. Glory to God in this nobody. Glory to God born in the middle of nowhere to people no one ever heard of. The angels sing up a symphony of praise to God, but it's aimed at the poor and the suffering, the lowly and the least. In the birth of Christ, God becomes poor. The highest becomes the lowest. St. Basil the Great was a 4th century bishop and theologian, and he expands on this idea in one of his sermons. He writes, God on earth, God among us, no longer the God who gives his law amid flashes of lightning to the sound of the trumpet on the smoking mountain within the darkness of a terrifying storm, but the God who speaks gently and with kindness in a human body to his kindred, God in the flesh. He is Lord who has appeared to us, not in his divine form, in order not to terrify us in our weakness, but in the form of a servant, that he might set free what had been reduced to servitude. Christmas tells us that God is with us, 
God's with us when we're full of life and things are going well. And God's especially with us when we've lost all hope and see no way forward. If we're a little confused about how God can be both glorious in the highest and in the lowest, then we're actually in pretty good company. This is the work of the church in all ages, in all places. It's what we do every Sunday and in between time. We read scripture, we study tradition, we we listen to our own heart of experience in order to, to get to know God the transcendent through God the imminent. God the out there because God is right here. The Virgin Mary herself also seems to wonder about how God can be way out there and way here, too. How God can be glorious in the highest, but in the least. How God can be large and small at the same time. Scripture tells us that she treasures all these words and ponders them in her heart. And so perhaps that's the lead we should take. Simply to join her and the Holy Family on our knees in a manger-turned-altar. And there, here, we can glory, we can treasure, we can ponder God who loves us this much to become like us, to become with us. In the name of God, the highest and the lowest, the holiest and the most human. Amen.